Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events from pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. The date of this recording is Sunday, July the 11th, and the topic of the week, just so coincidentally, has in fact been the weather. At least here in the United States, Whether it's been massive heat waves striking the entire country, places that have never seen such high temperatures are figuring out what it's like to be in true desert-esque heat. Or on the northeast down to the south, Hurricane Elsa, which has brought with her tons of waves and rain and unfortunately destruction for some who are on the very edge of the states where they resided. Luckily, there hasn't been a drastic number of casualties, but if you are seeing the effects of it, good luck, stay safe, and I wish you the best. But with that being said, we can proceed to the sports side of the podcast, where it was a massive week for fans of multiple sports. We already anticipated that the NBA Finals would be making headlines, as it always does. But aside from that, we began off this weekend with Lionel Messi, for some the greatest player in soccer history or football on the international stage, Messi alongside the Argentinian national team took down Brazil in the Copa America to win Messi's first championship in the competition, further adding to an already extremely decorated career for Messi who continues to pile on win after win on his way to making his GOAT legacy more and more untouchable. At least untouchable for everyone not named Ronaldo. And Neymar for that matter too. The soccer world was then further gifted by the 2020 Euro Final, by which Italy took on England in a long, stressful, strenuous but still entertaining game, as England, who had a strong fan base, pushing and predicting that they would take home the win, went down in a very surprising defeat. England started off strong, scoring immediately within the first 10 minutes, but Italy took control of the rest of the game as they pushed the tempo, sped up the pace, tied the game up, and ultimately led it not just to an extra time, but to a penalty shootout where England miraculously missed three kicks in a row. Three kicks where if they just could hit one, they would have been able to proceed. But with the last kick, the chance to tie it, they miss, and Italy takes home the Euro 2020 trophy. And even with these two events, with all the attention they draw, being on the front page of ESPN, on the ESPN channel, etc., etc., there was still one event that eclipsed them all. And that was Dustin Poirier taking on Conor McGregor in the UFC fight of the weekend. Conor McGregor, a man whose legacy speaks for itself, the most popular UFC fighter of all time, clearly its biggest star. And not only was he its biggest star, Conor McGregor is largely the reason that the UFC was able to propel itself into the mainstream. 
Connor, who with every fight absolutely dominated the media with his trash talk, confidence, brash comments. He got into opponents' heads, and he oftentimes predicted how he would end his fights. This is a man who has put many fighters to sleep, a man who has the fastest win in a championship bout, but also a man who, after taking on Floyd Mayweather and losing in a boxing match something out of his realm, his return to the UFC has been lackluster to say the least. Yes, he has still brought with him star power. He's commanded attention. He sells out arenas. All of the things that you would want your star to do. But since returning to the lightweight division, Conor McGregor is 1-3. and three. And his one win, though it was impressive, it was against an opponent that no one really thought. The cowboy, Donald Cerrone. But in addition to that, he lost to Habib and he lost to Dustin Poirier. As in his last fight, Dustin kicked his calves endlessly until he fell, collapsing from the amount of pain that his ankle and calf suffered. And Dustin just let off on him punch after punch after punch, leading to a TKO victory. So they entered Saturday night with Conor McGregor looking like the evil villain who was trying to regain his glory as one of the best fighters in the UFC. And Dustin Poirier came in as the unexpected, unsung hero, the good guy, the one who would reject Conor's demeaning comments and let his hands speak for himself. Their dislike for each other seemed to captivate the arena. And Conor McGregor would enter the fight looking like a monster, angry, anxious, jumping, jittering around in the arena as he awaited for the bout to start. And UFC fans surely got some fireworks throughout round one. From McGregor teeing off, landing his effective punches, clearly doing damage to Dustin, coming in with kicks, kick after kick, calf kicks, head kicks, showing more of a mixed bag throughout the fight. Dustin Poirier returned with his kicks of his own. He defended them well. And eventually, because of a questionable decision for Conor to try and guillotine Dustin Poirier, Dustin showed off his wrestling prowess, getting to the ground and keeping Conor there, igniting elbow after elbow, punch after punch, just making Conor work on the ground similar to what Habib Nurmagomedov did when he clearly dominated Connor in their fight. But at the end of a close first round that many gave to Dustin, Connor McGregor would throw a punch and accidentally step on his ankle, break his leg, and effectively end the fight on a doctor's stoppage. What a disappointment for fight fans around the world as what would have been easily one of the most significant fights in UFC history, was put to an end by a rare, very damaging injury. Though Connor would continue to talk trash on the ground with Joe Rogan sitting cross-legged beside him, there was nothing he could do. Dustin seemed clearly still frustrated with Connor, very upset about some comments that Connor made suggesting that he intended to murder him, comments that Connor made about his wife, 
Dustin came across like the good guy in this situation, but he also came across as the victor. Dustin will likely now proceed to taking on the title fight to potentially become the champion of the lightweight division. And for Conor McGregor, there are a flurry of questions surrounding him. Will he be able to return to full form after this injury? Will he even be interested in returning to full form after this injury? Because it's very likely that the UFC will require him to take on another fight before he gets a fourth match against Dustin Poirier. The answer remains to be seen, but I'm sure UFC fans all across the world will be on the lookout and tune in anytime Conor McGregor's name is back on the card. Meanwhile, the weekend would come to a close with the Phoenix Suns taking on the Milwaukee Bucks for Game 3 of the NBA Finals. This series began with two commanding wins for the Phoenix Suns. Two wins in which Chris Paul looked amazing, dominating the mid-range in-between game, DeAndre Ayton showing up on both sides of the floor, Devin Booker putting up easy 30-point games. For many, especially Phoenix Suns fans, it looked like they had a great chance at either sweeping or winning in less than seven games against the Milwaukee Bucks. Their role players were stepping up very significantly. As Mikel Bridges, for example, dropped 27 points in Game 2. If one of your role players is dropping 25 plus points, it is very unlikely that you're going to lose that game. And the Bucks just could not stop all the offense that the Suns were putting out. They displayed exceptional ball handling ability, over the top passing, but passing that had the ball movement impossible to follow. It appeared that it would be a tall task for the Bucks to turn this series around with so many concerns on both sides of the ball. Holiday and Middleton were missing the majority of their shots. They were leading off a series with some of the least ball movement we've seen in a final series over the last decade, but everything changed Sunday night. As they came out in quarter one, looking to be ready to do more of the same. The Suns kept the game close, they ended the quarter up by a couple of points, but the Bucks didn't look to be doing anything significantly that would change the way the series was looking. And suddenly, towards the middle of the second quarter, their offense came to life. Giannis and Drew Holiday's playmaking went to an all-time high. Their ball movement sped up. Bobby Portis came out and was an absolute spark plug off the bench. The Suns were testing box and one defense, zone defense, man defense. And the Bucks kept finding ways to get Giannis Antetokounmpo the ball in the paint. And in what I am going as far as to say was a Shaquille O'Neal-esque level of dominance continued to take place play after play after play. And though they would only end the first half up by about eight points, the Bucks have now proven themselves to be third quarter bandits. Giannis putting up back-to-back 40-point performances, 10-plus rebounds. Drew Holiday finally hitting his shots. Four significant threes down the stretch. 
Giannis knocking down free throws, Giannis getting touches in the paint and literally saying, I am bigger than you, I am taller than you, I am faster than you, and getting DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble and just punishing defenders that had no shot at stopping his play. On the defensive side of the ball, without Ayton on the floor, the Bucks were not afraid to go small ball playing Giannis at the five. And with Giannis at center, they were not afraid to switch among screens. So even though the Suns would try to employ their fast-paced offense that carried them throughout the playoffs, the same offense that would lead them to quickly lighting your team up from three, the Bucks actually made more threes tonight than the Suns. The Bucks actually made about the same amount of shots, but got to the free throw line so many more times than the Suns that the scoring discrepancy became too much to overcome. When Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo are on their game, this is a tough team to stop. When you add to that players like Portis, Tucker, intelligent defensive plays, and the Suns frankly missing shots they should have made, we now have ourselves a series. And we will see if the Suns could steal a game at home. But on the off chance that they cannot, this may be a 2-2 series going back to Phoenix. And the Suns have some serious questions about whether or not they could stop the barrage from the Milwaukee Bucks. Booker has to make more than three shots. Giannis can't look like a prime shack in the paint. And the Suns can't be afraid to abandon the three ball when it's not working. They don't want to fall in the same hole that the Houston Rockets continuously fell in when they were led by James Harden. But with that, we have a very exciting series on the horizon. And I will continue to report back on what I see over the next week. So we can proceed to the music side of things where we have had a string of significant releases. This week, there were three albums that surely hit music fans' radar, whether you're someone who goes out of your way to look for it, or you just check the new albums list of the week. The first of which was IDK, a rapper who has been in and out of mainstream media, released his new project, You See For Yourself. And frankly, I was beyond surprised Though I was aware of IDK's talent, he showed some real writing prowess, lyrical ability, and overall storytelling talent on this album. A couple of the standout tracks were Red, featuring Westside Gun, MF Doom, and J Electronica, an absolute Avengers-level talent for a song, Pelton, Puerto Rico, IDK is an artist that has never been afraid to be personal in his music. And because of that, he has delivered what I believe to be a very solid project. Worth checking out if you're either a fan of him or just casually into visiting random hip-hop albums for all intents and purposes. Similarly, rapper Vince Staples, another artist known for being in and out of mainstream media, was more open about that fact as he dropped his new project, self-titled Vince Staples, a short but very personal project completely produced Kenny Beats, a producer that has been very well known for his In The Cave series where he invites rappers in to rap to beats he makes right there with them 
And this has extended into him getting several personal projects. Denzel Curry, he's worked with J.I.D., Doja Cat. There's a long list of people that could show you that he's validated in the world of producers. But that aside, he completely produced this project for Vince Staples. And though it was short, only about 22 minutes, it felt like Vince Staples took fans back to Long Beach, his hometown. The songs felt like he was in his home telling the story of his life and explaining how he's landed himself in a place where he's constantly stuck between having the mainstream talent, mainstream connections, and at times the dreams to become that star, but having that conflict with his passion for music. Knowing that much of what makes Vince Staples Vince Staples is being anti all of that. He's a former XXL freshman standout artist. He has several acclaimed projects. His song North North took over the radio. This is an artist who, if he truly desired, would be right there in the conversation with the low-end mainstream rap stars. But he's chosen not to be that. He's chosen to commit to what he believes to be his best music. And at times, that means not making music, not putting out a large quantity of music, but feeling it out and releasing music when the time is right. And he always seems to deliver for his core fan base. And if that's enough for you as an artist, you can never hate on that. So congratulations to Vince Staples' new project. And the last of what I deem to be the three most major projects that dropped this week was the project that I still have not gotten a chance to visit myself. So I'm just noting it for the sake of music fans out there. And that is Snow Allegra, the R&B artist who I believe her prior album was a clear classic R&B project. She has released a new album called Temporary High in the Violet Skies. I can't say too much because I have not listened to it for myself. I did see that she has two songs where she collaborated with Tyler, the creator, who is coming off a album of the year candidate. So if she just so happened to catch any of that wave, I'm sure that those are two great tracks as well. But that aside, this is an album that I will have to report back on a week from now. And that will conclude the music section of the podcast where we can now end things off discussing the show that at this point has become my most controversial Marvel show. And that is Loki. This is a show that two weeks ago I mentioned had probably the worst episode I've seen out of the Marvel shows. They had a very slow episode that was following Loki and Lady Loki going around and exploring this world, trying to escape an apocalypse. But the pace was so slow. The acting was far from captivating. And at times, I just found myself completely disinterested from what was going on. They saved things by having a much better episode last week, one with plenty of mystery, action, and things to keep you drawn in. While this week they came back with another episode that is struck right down the middle between good and bad. An episode where we saw multiple Lokis fighting to be the king, fighting to have this area of an apocalyptic realm. While the Loki that we are following is trying to escape 
or at least trying to find who was behind the whole TVA. Lady Loki gets some answers, but decides to prune herself, transporting her to the same realm as Loki, where they would team up and decide it is time to take down whoever's behind this. They fight against this cloud-like being that seems to destroy everything it touches, where an older version of Loki gave his life to create a path for them to enter. And we ended off this episode seeing a house behind the cloud, as Loki and Lady Loki will walk towards it and likely discover who is behind the TVA in what I presume to be the season finale this week. Unfortunately, this has easily been my least favorite of the Marvel shows, which is especially disappointing considering how much of a fan favorite that Loki has been over the years for Marvel fans. Marvel has done a great job of trying to cast these characters that may have been forgotten into a more human light as they enter the next phase of their Marvel movies, but frankly the Loki show hasn't impressed me too much so far. I hope that the season finale gives me some oohs and ahs, solves some mysteries, maybe has some action if it's deemed necessary, but it might be time for the Marvel TV show Magic to wear off just a little bit and time for their movies to come back, especially with the new Spider-Man movie expecting to be released at the end of this year. But with that being said, that is all I have for this week. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you taking your time out. Please let me know if there's any ways that I can make this a better audio experience for you. And I'll continue to keep my finger on the pulse of things in pop culture. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.